Welcome to KATD, a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap program. I'm your Hanna-Barbera talking radio host, Cassidy, and my pronouns are she, her. Hey listeners, my name is Lava, they, them. And this is the show now. We're a radio show. Welcome to NPR. But what's that? It's a radio show that we're broadcasting through non-radio means, so we don't have to follow any of the regular radio um, you know, guidelines, guidelines and regulations. You know, there have been multiple times in my life where I've like looked at what it would take to start your own radio station. Hmm. I imagine there's a lot of stuff that you have to do. Like, yeah. officially. To do it officially. Mm-hmm. You could always just, you know, hop on to something, I think. Pirate radio. Yeah. Well, like, the easiest way to do it, if you want to make it, like, not like a radio radio broadcast, is shoutcasting. Mm-hmm. Which is not... When I say shoutcast, I don't mean... The thing that people do over esports. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a like a service called Shoutcast. Hmm. Um, and let me tell you about my history with the, the concept of Shoutcast. <laughs> okay. On the PlayStation Portable, <laughs> there were these little widget things you could download. Uh huh. That were sat like internet radio. But, like, separated by genres. And you would not actually ever see the radio stations that it's pulling from or anything like that. It was just, like, a square image and a little, like, that had, like, oh, 90s music or old-timey radio shows. That Mm. kind of stuff. Yeah. And there was another thing at the top corner. And when you click, like, pulled it down, it would change to the next station. You could not go backwards. You could only move on to the next one. Oh, and like I said, it does not say the name of the station or anything of it. Right. Goodness. But I did see that it was powered by Shoutcast. <laughs> um, and there are ways that you can... I like. I downloaded another app on my phone recently because it's an easy way to just like listen to like old radio drama style shows. Because mm-hmm. there are plenty of them that play that. Um, one morning, after leaving it on all night, I woke up hearing... Not a radio drama, oh. but rather the audio from an episode of Doctor Who. Really? And I don't mean one of the old episodes of Doctor Who. I mean like a Peter Capaldi episode. Oh. And it was just the audio, and then if there was a visual component happening, a robot voice would say what was happening. Wow. It wasn't an audiobook or audio drama, because they have those. No. It was an episode of the show because I had seen that episode of the show. Huh. Weird. That's certainly interesting. Yeah. Anyways, welcome to Kids and Their Dog, a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap podcast. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. That's good. I'm glad you're good. (laughs) I uh, gotta say, I really appreciate having some really nice movies. Yeah, good movies are good. Yeah. It's nice and chill. <laughs> that time I did it on purpose. Yes. <laughs> uh. 
Um, there's not much to say Scooby-Doo news-wise. I think there may have been a new trailer, but honestly, it's not that much different from the last one if it is a new one. Um, that movie's coming out soon. Like, we're about a month and a half away now, I want to yeah, say. That's wild. Yeah. Um, the only thing I did learn, mm. and I'm not sure when this happened, <laughs> um, but... The uh, escapeology chain of escape rooms. Uh, some several of their locations. I have listed. I have three of them here. Um, I don't know how many others there are. They are, uh, but they have Scooby Doo escape rooms. These appear to be officially licensed. Aside from the fact that the website for it shows Fred wearing a red ascot. <laughs> oh wow! Velma's wearing lipstick. Yeah, that I could see being shown in, like, early art, probably. Yeah. Something's wrong with Shaggy's hair. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong with it. It is cut off. Well, it's cut off at the top because he's in the back, but, like, the sides sides. feel wrong. Yeah, he's he's been given longer hair to where it's longer in the back. Yeah, it's strange. Uh, another interesting thing about let me read the backstory. I'm just going to read all of the stuff that's on this page. Uh-huh. Your backstory: the town of Crystal Cove. That's an interesting pick. Um, and the surrounding areas are being terrorized by monsters and ghosts. The local Baroness Maria Richmond has gone missing, gone missing, and it is suspected that the ghost sightings have something to do with it. The scene. Tasked with solving the crime, you arrive at the same conclusion as Mystery Incorporated. Unfortunately, when you get to the spooky castle, Mystery Incorporated gets locked out at the same time as you get locked in. You soon realize that Mystery Incorporated are able to help by communicating clues via magic portraits inside the castle. Hmm. Your mission. Discovering a secret dungeon and monster lab in the castle, you realize this is where the evil is being created and set about solving the crime. You come to the conclusion that the person responsible almost certainly works in the castle, but who could it be, as there are several suspects? And at the bottom, there's a very large image. It's a video. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Um, it's a very large video. Uh, I'm going to hit play. Let's let's sync this up. You're going to want to full screen it, so that way it's in yeah. the full screen. Oh, mode. I see it now. It's just a, uh, it's a it's, camera. Yeah, phone it's like camera. phone yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's go on on go. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Hey gang, Mystery Inc. here. Crystal Cove has been suffering from supernatural attacks led by a monster known as the Mystery Ghost. Ghost. And like the Mystery Ghost has been terrorizing our town for months with no end in sight. Just a few hours ago, Baroness Maria Richard. It seems to be all of the current, like, new voice actors. And all of the the visual of it is, here's a picture of the Mystery Inc. character in a circle with, like, waveforms underneath their head as they talk. Looks like we've got another mystery on our hands. There's Fred's line. our villain is hiding secrets within this spooky castle. Why else would he set this trap? Baroness Richmond was very close to uncovering the ghost's true identity. 
and her disappearance leads us to believe she was kidnapped by him in an attempt to stop her from solving the case. According to our surveillance, the ghost detector nine thousand. Way back to the castle right now, and we'll be Ectometer. here at midnight. What is eleven p.m.? That's right, Scoot. We have exactly one hour before he returns. Interesting. Who knows what could happen if he discovers us all here? Yeah. So it's got. Instead of having the traditional hard black lines, it's a slightly darker shade of whatever color is next to it. Yeah. Hack into the magic portraits! Yeah. Okay, that's a Scooby Snacks design, for sure. Alright, gang. We'd better leave you to it. We know that with your help, this case is in excellent hands. Time is of the essence. Good luck. This is cute. Hearing Scooby try to say the phrase time is of the essence is That's an experience. Certainly a thing. Interesting. Yeah, I'm curious when that when this was done, because I want to know why they put Crystal Cove but are using all of like the classic Scooby Doo art. Right. That's strange. It's a strange choice. And now I have to decide whether or not I'm going to include the audio from the video in this or just cut out all of the the quiet parts in between us talking or what. Either way, I think would work. Uh, but yeah, these look the three locations that I have confirmed for sure are in Garwood, New Jersey, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and Orlando, Florida. Ooh, there's a gallery. There's a gallery? Yes. Um, go to book it. And book now. Um, you have the option to search info on Scooby-Doo specifically. And it'll, you know, explain the prices and everything. But there's also just a little gallery. Five pictures. It looks really Love. interesting. Love to see pictures when my computer decides to show me pictures. Ah. Computer, show me pictures. Can we generate a picture? <sighs> if you're going to generate a picture, generate the second one, because all the others are just footage, like stock um, images. Mm. The second one is actually what appears to be the escape room, which is I could pay exactly a castle. Looking Pay thing. Pay 77 to go to the 9 o'clock game of Scooby-Doo in Orlando, Florida. Only I can't because it's actually full. Aw. Uh, where is this picture button at? I don't see it. I might be able to just cop copy the link. Maybe, because all I'm seeing are just, like, times and prices. With a wide range of games to choose from, you're sure to find the time and game for you. Oh, um... Oh, I'm hitting info. Maybe that'll do it. Yes, info. There it is. And then there's two tabs at the top. Scooby-Doo and the Spooky Ass Castle... Adventure, and then gallery. Oh, yeah, that's... That's a fun design. I would love to just be in a room that looked like that. I know, right? I love the, uh... 
the cabinet drawers. Uh, it seems like a weird contrast against the stone walkway and stone wall. Yeah. Those, like, pipes that are definitely clearly just drawn on. Yeah. Let's see. Four to eight players. You will have the game room exclusively for your group. Recommended two to eight players. Children may find this game difficult. Minimum recommended age, ten years old. Pretty neat. Gaming under the influence is strictly prohibited. <laughs> if you are excessively drunk and or being destructive, our game masters will end your entire team's experience without refund or reschedule. Okay. They have a lot of locations. They do. That's the that's what made it hard to try to figure out which locations had it, because there are it, like four different Florida locations. Right. And one that's coming soon. Mm-hmm. The Myrtle Beach location says coming soon, but it does have a picture of the location, and I could, like, see which games were available there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, let's, um, let's take a look at some listener questions. We have a question here coming in from Fantasy Crest, at Fantasy Crest on Twitter. Which one of the gang do you think... It- is likely to run a cryptid-based radio show. Hmm. I kind of want to say Velma. But honestly speaking, Daphne as well? Yeah, absolutely. Like, Daphne is confirmed to have a TV show about that kind of stuff. Yeah. I honestly (laughs) think, like, what are the logistics of having... An entire, a huge group of people in an, uh, a single podcast. Um, I mean, because I can depends imagine on how t- huge how huge you mean. Like, you can do. I regularly listen to podcasts that have four or five people on them. Mm-hmm. I. But they also do a lot less editing than other podcasts I listen to. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Because. I just had a thought of, oh my gosh, a uh, modern idea of Scooby-Doo and the gang would be a uh, internet show. Internet, uh, what is it called? Mm, wow. Just, I have an example in my head and now it's gone. They're vloggers. They're vloggers. Just basically they're being vloggers. See, now I'm thinking about the Scooby-Doo apocalypse design of Shaggy and his, like, twirly mustache and gauges. <laughs> but I can just imagine uh, the gang in high school nowadays being like, hey, let's start a podcast. Let's start a video show. It'd be really funny. They're all Vine stars. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm preemptively looking up stuff to to yell about Tanner because <laughs> Tanner is next. Um, so yeah, I think that's a pretty accurate. I mean, I think if it's specifically cryptids, I would lean more towards Velma than Daphne, but either of them could, and all of them would. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next up, we have some questions here from Tanner at Sparky Upstart, and they ask, 
Do you think Yeti sightings are just the remnants of pre- Do you think Yeti sightings are just the remnants of the prehistoric giant sloth or bear population? I think it's entirely possible. I think giant sloth, maybe. A lot of the pictures I'm seeing of giant bear are a little too big. But I also don't know if that they're actually the same thing in Google image search is just lying to me. I did see like the idea of um, a naked bear. Hmm. Has it's mm, it, it's really really weird looking. Uh, but if it were standing up, it would look very strange. Uh. You know what? You know what? I'm surprised we didn't get. What? I'm surprised we didn't get any questions about uh, the Disney theme park ride expedition everest which features a yeti animatronic that was so powerful that it no longer is allowed to move or else it'll bring down the entire attraction oh yeah i forgot about that gosh that's so cool yeah i just i want to know more about stuff like that and just like that's such a big thing to like. How did that happen, right? Mm-hmm. They just didn't think of it. Okay. Tanner also asks, "Do you think the environment of Pasadena is better is a better Yeti habitat than the Himalayas?" No, I'm waiting for this page to load so I can be more accurate about my statement. Okay. <clears throat> now. The Abominable Snowman of Pasadena is the 38th book in the original Goosebumps book series. It was first published in 1995. What? Wait. Hold on. What? What do you mean, what? I'm just, like, cracking up. That's a thing? Yeah, I want to send you the image of the cover. This is why I have to Google anytime Tanner asks us a strange question. Because I'm like, that's a reference to something for sure. Oh my god. I remember this book! I don't remember if I actually ever read it, but I recognize this cover. Deeply. Have you seen... I'm going to show you what the 2015 version of the cover looks like, because they changed the game for sure. Sorry, first I'm going to send you 2003. Um, Because it's the same art, just got like a different... It's more green around the edges for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the 2015 version... It's just like, hey, look at this art, Holy right? Sh- Whoa. Um. Hmm. Now a major motion picture. Excuse me? Uh, they probably showed up in the Goosebumps movie starring Jack Black. Oh, wow. I have not seen the second one of those. I do not know if perhaps it would be in that one instead. But by 2015, I think only the first one had come out. Man, this Yeti is ripped. Yeah. Out here looking like Winston Overwatch. (laughs) Goodness. 127 pages. Uh, Previous book, The Headless Ghost. Next book, How I Got My Shrunken Head. I... Wow. Goosebumps books, I never really got into but you have that one that you read as a kid and it just completely messed with you 
Mm. I definitely have those. I I could not tell you. There was one where it was like a cuckoo clock. And this poor kid just got trapped in a time loop, I think it was. I don't remember. I think the only Goosebumps book I read involved the kid turning into a sponge or something. I just... I didn't read a lot of Goosebumps books because I don't... I've never liked being scared. Yeah. And, like, yeah, most Goosebumps books aren't scary, but, like, they have the aura of they're supposed to be. It's creepy. Yeah. It's like, it's not even a matter of it being scary, it's just, it creeps you out. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't enjoy being creeped out to the point of paranoia, which, uh, has happened to me frequently. And then I can't sleep, and it's awful. Yeah, I didn't... Instead of reading Goosebumps books as a kid, I just very tried to subtly check out a book that had the title of oh no he's a girl um and well let's just say that had an effect on me as a person anyways i think pasadena is probably still a bad spot for yetis because even in this book the yeti isn't from pasadena it's from alaska poor thing oh we got home um, let me just skip to the end here. I thought it was a Mexican Bigfoot joke. Oh. <laughs> maybe it was. Maybe we're just, maybe I just like called out Tanner for something different entirely, but specifically saying Pasadena says, I mean, like, makes me think they otherwise. were really specific. So I think it is related to Goosebumps. Let's see, the classic Goosebumps reprint was released as a tie-in to the Goosebumps film. The Arnold Schwarzenegger mention was removed. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, at the end here, oh, the last sentence is, as Jordan, and Nicole, as Jordan and Nicole turn to look outside, they see the Miller twins digging up the snowballs they buried. Jordan screams in an attempt to stop them. <laughs> but before he can, Kyle aims and throws a snowball directly at Kara. <laughs> Next question. What's your favorite ice type Pokemon? Hmm. I like a Vanillite a lot. A good one. I think they're very cute and a friend. I would say um right now it's Snom cuz oh my god, Snom is adorable. Mm. I got to love that. I I guess I must just be a bug catcher cuz I gravitate towards the bugs. Um, but I would say before that would be Cryogonal. I just, mm. I love Cryogonal a lot. And I, I remember, uh, playing Pokemon Y and running into one and being like, yo, who are you? I love you. Um, it's great. Hmm. I also think Glaceon is good mm-hmm. i i like their hair bits <laughs> it's right up there with leafy on in the list of evolutions i wish i would ever use ever <laughs> all right and tanner's last question here is are snow cones even worth it no mm, i think they can be but 
only if they're not actually served in a cone, if they're served in a styrofoam cup alongside a spoon. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I just... I remember, like, having a snow cone, and it's in a paper cone. And Yeah, paper cones, snow cones are no good. They're the worst. Get that out of there. No, please no. You want a styrofoam cup, and you don't want it to be overflowing out of the cup, because that's just a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's your favorite snow cone flavor? Um, hmm. I don't know. The last one I can remember ever having is called Tiger's Blood. Whoa. Nice. Which I believe is actually a pretty common snow cone flavor. What? I obviously don't eat a lot of snow cones. Let's see. Okay. According to Wikipedia. Or not Wikipedia, even. It's Googling it in the first, like blurb on the side which seems to be from hawaiianshavedice.com tiger's blood tiger's blood snow cone is a popular seller at concession stands and ice cream trucks around the world no actual tigers are hurt to make a tiger's blood shaved ice instead tiger's blood snow cone syrup combines the sweet taste of watermelon and strawberry flavoring with a small hint of coconut Mm. interesting which probably makes sense as to why i like it it is mostly watermelon yeah Watermelon snow cones also good. Mm-hmm. I want to just say blue raspberry. That's fair. The benefit of watermelon flavored is that when it's all melted at the bottom, I still feel okay drinking it, and it's not sickly sweet all the time. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Although sour flavored snow cones are also fun. <laughs> okay, but. We talked about alligator ice on this podcast, right? Uh, if we did, I don't remember it. It probably would have been two years ago at this point. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't remember it. Let me Google alligator ice again, because I remember at one point looking at a website to buy an alligator ice machine. Um, so alligator ice is sort of like a snow cone. Or, I guess, slushy or type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like... You would think it would be like, oh, that's like a slushy. It probably has the same consistency of a slushy. No, it doesn't. It has, like... <laughs> it's just a... It's like chunks of ice. It's like crushed ice. Huh. That's kind of weird. Also, I don't think we talked about this. Because if we did, I would have looked it up. And I would have remembered this logo. Because this logo rules. How have we not talked about alligator ice? I don't know, but I am sad about it. because oh We my ask gosh. all of our guests what their favorite flavor of slushy is, and we haven't talked about alligator ice? That's, I, there's no way that's true. I don't remember, but my god, I love this alligator. This alligator rules. This alligator rules. Um used to be able to get them at the gas station that was in the midpoint between my house and town. (laughs) So it was only a 10 minute ride. Nice. Uh, I remember them at some point, maybe not even at that location, but maybe at another, having sour flavors. Mm -hmm. 
And the only one I'm seeing on here is sour apple, which is a green apple. <laughs> They've got a margarita one? Are you surprised? Not at all, but it's funny. <laughs> they also have huckleberry. <laughs> I think the juice slush is probably the one they had, because I remember seeing blue raspberry. Yeah, they do have a blue raspberry. Gosh. Alligator ice party pail. Tell me about the ice party pail. Alligator ice is excited. Sorry. No, sorry. Not even is excited. Alligator ice excited <laughs> to release this new consumer product concept. Party pail comes with a pre-portioned pack of alligator ice mix to easily make frozen drinks in your freezer. Simply open the pails, follow the easy mixing instructions, and enjoy. Contact alligator ice today by calling phone number or by filling out our contact form. <laughs> can be made with or without alcohol <laughs> <laughs> love it yeah I'd love to whip up a party pail of blue raspberry alcohol drink so uh are you on the alligator ice uh website yeah that's where I'm reading about the party pail Th so that scrolling um news thing the third image Go back to the home page. Oh yeah! Hello! 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 That's New for 2017. Hello! Hello! That's what this That's... makes me think of. That machine is the one I had at the one I went to. The there was the... a sweet one and a sour one, and the sour one is the one with the big eyes, <laughs> and they had the pumps of the flavor on the side. Gosh! And we would always put in too many pumps. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's actually that. kind of funny. I love that. That's adorable that the um those eyes belong to the sour one. Hello. Hello. That alligator loves its sour uh slush. How much do I have to pay for one of these machines? <laughs> Probably too much. Well, they refuse. Oh, hold on. There's a shop button. Let me just hit the shop button and see what happens. Oh, hey. Alligator ice frozen coffee cappuccino machine. Mm. I could spend. <laughs> how many cups come in this so I know how much you're getting for that price? <gasps> I could spend $115 to get 52 alligator ice clear 20 ounce refill novelty cups. Oh, my God. <laughs> They have a wild design. <laughs> let me send you the page because it won't let me to copy the picture. Welcome to We Talk About Everything Except for the Episode. <laughs> this is a good episode. <laughs> we haven't even gotten halfway through the questions. Yo, what is that? It's a helix. It's a helix what? you drink out of. That's cool. Wow. But you also could just buy a single party pail this way. Mm hmm The, uh, God. I love this. This is awesome. Oh, well, uh, found out what the, um, ice machine is. Goodness. Yeah, the only one they have for sale is the Bun Ultra 2 Double mich Bowl Machine. Yeah. Which is not quite the one basically you just pick two flavors in it right three thousand dollars essentially basically well, we... 
close enough to count. All six fields must be filled with a flavor. The fun part about that statement is that there are not even six fields. There's only four. <laughs> Gotta love. Oh, I love that the uh, cappuccinos are included in this list. Gotta love it. Tasty, tasty. Yummy, yummy. <sighs> Where can I get alligator ice near me? Let me Google alligator ice near me. <laughs> see if it can tell me. Apps. Worst case scenario, I can spend $10 plus shipping and handling to get a party pail sent to me directly. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the next question instead of talking more about this alligator. <laughs> uh, so Charlie, at Magical underscore Pride, asks, If you ended up on a flight to a wrong destination, where would you like to end up? I'm going to preface, preface this by saying, oh my god, it sounds terrifying. I would oh, yeah, be absolutely. stressed out of my mind. I have taken the wrong subway once before in my life, and I was uh, deeply distressed, so I cannot even imagine what it would be like to be on the wrong flight. Um, but I don't know. Somewhere where I can, you know, have a good time figuring out everything to get this fixed. The only place I would like to end up instead of where I was going is a place where I already know people there. Yes, that is a great point. So it would be like, yeah, I would love to just randomly end up in Connecticut or Minnesota mm -hmm. or Texas or Indiana. These are the Somehow, Canada. These are all places that I know people in and would enjoy hanging out with them, regardless of if it was an accident or not. Right. I love that answer. Uh, she also asks, if you had to use one of the gang as a bait... Sorry. If you had to use one of the gang as bait to capture a monster, who would you pick? Well, I mean, you can always go with the tried and true method of Scooby and Shaggy. Yeah, like, that's... The... <laughs> Alphonse in this film like knows what's up I'm just like we have to talk about Alphonse in a bit we but have like, to we have to talk about this we have to talk about Alphonse Le Fleur <laughs> I just love that character it's so ridiculous <laughs> uh. Uh, okay, and our final question comes in from Brendan at Sonata Waves on Twitter. What is your favorite variant on Bigfoot? E.g. Yeti, Sasquatch, Almas, Wild Man of the Woods, etc. Um, I mean, it's always the funny answer of the skunk ape. Um, Mexican Bigfoot. Mexican Bigfoot is also good. Let's see, here's the thing about Skunk Ape, is that he's Bigfoot, but wet and stinky. <laughs> and that's a dangerous combination. Yeah, very much so. Okay, and that concludes the listener question segment. Oh, God. Uh, that took a while. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. We're going to blast through this movie. Yes, yes, we will. Okay, um... Speaking of this movie, we have watched Chill Out, Scooby-Doo, 
which was released on DVD on September 4th, 2007, almost a complete year since the last film we covered. So it was directed by Joe Sishta, produced by Margaret M. Dean and Joe Sishta, written by Adam Scheinman and Joe Sishta, in memory of Iwao Takamoto, who was the character designer that designed Scooby-Doo. Mm. As well as several other Hanna-Barbera and also apparently Disney characters. Mm. Um, also, uh, looks like we're getting close to the end of our time with Joe Sishta, which is a name that has come up a lot on this show up to this point, um, but as, both as, like, director, producer, and writer, uh, all three of those. Uh, the last Scooby-Doo film he touches is A Samurai Sword, um, which is the one that comes after this, but it won't come after this episode-wise for us, because we have an anniversary between now and then. Mm-hmm. Currently, I did some look up, looking up, and Joe Sisha currently tweets about mental health and is working on some Disney shows. Mm. Uh, this film features the voice acting talents of Frank Welker as Scooby-Doo and Fred Jones, Casey Kasem as Shaggy Rogers, Mindy Cohn as Velma Dinkley, Gray Delisle Griffin as Daphne Blake, James C.A.? I'll say C.A. It's S.I.E. Could just be Psy, I guess. As Pemba, Jeff Bennett as Del Chilman and Pilot, Renee Aubergenois as Alphonse Lefleur, Doc Ock himself, Alfred Molina as Professor Jeffries, Kim My Guess as Minga, and James Hong as the High Lama. Okay. Um, this one, this film, much like some of the previous ones, immediately starts with the intro cinematic. How do you feel about that versus having a cold open stinger? I don't know. I do like this uh, opening. I think it's really neat how it sets um, the setting. Uh, where it's introducing all of the various, you know, things that have to be introduced, like producer, music, etc. Uh, but it's showing the different, like, environments. And, you know, just different places in the Himalayas, which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I can also easily see them fitting this in instead of opening with it as, like, after we see that Shaggy and Scooby are not in Paris. Mm-hmm. We could probably do it shortly after that scene. Um, I don't know. I kind of like having the cold open stingers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where we see some stuff happening before we get the cinematic. I think that was a fun part of uh, Pirates Ahoy. Right. Was having the setup of, hey, there's some pirates here. You know what? Now that I think about it, it's because I like Martin Mystery. (laughs) (laughs) They would do that in Martin Mystery. Uh, They'd be like, oh, here's a setup for the mystery of the episode. And then it would say, it would like grayscale an image happening, show the title card, and then a guy would read the name of this episode. (laughs) But yeah, so uh, we see at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, Actually, this probably would have made more sense to be before the cinematic, this scene right here. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we see some people climbing the mountain and they see a spooky carving. One of them, Professor Jeffries, is looking for Shangri-La, but Pemba, the other person, is not into it because 
It's a spooky carving that says don't. There's also some spooky footprints and eerie noises. Mm-hmm. Pembo wants to leave, but the professor wants to continue, so he cuts the rope and they split apart as a snowstorm starts. I had a moment where uh, the professor has like a document in his hands that is like the guide to this place, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he's so excited! Excited, he rips this document scroll in it. In his hands, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you would get murdered immediately by so many people. Because it felt like a, he was following an ancient document of some sort. Yeah, it definitely had like that kind of feel to I it. I immediately hated him, basically. And also, he was a complete jerk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Pemba in the snowstorm is chased by a yeti and almost falls off the mountain yeah cut to paris france (laughs) uh we see daphne in an outfit it's got a high collar and is a sleeveless button-down dress (laughs) uh she has blue triangle shades big ol' pink hat and pink stockings and a belt and shoes that are all pink she, Meanwhile, fr- go ahead. She is very excited about being uh, here on vacation because of all the fashion. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, Freddy is in a very dumb tourist shirt pulled over his regular clothes. <laughs> it's and great. he's also in love with his new flip cell phone. Yes, it's uh, very 2007. Because it has, like, GPS and... Uh, an mp3 player an mp3 player it's just like oh my god it's adorable uh velma has a beret that's the only thing different <laughs> and she's also reading a paper called le intellectual <laughs> which to put it in perspective uh has a story in on the front page about people seeing the abominable snowman in the himalayas <laughs> it is th- we're in france and this is that newspaper i just love it so much oh it's a newspaper in france and to be fair it is written in french yeah which i do at least run it through google translate yeah which apparently um velma loves to do she loves reading different languages like newspapers that in tracks di- in different languages and i'm like yeah that sounds exactly what what, what velma would do when traveling yeah, you gotta brush up on your foreign language skills. Mm-hmm. I bet she knows a lot of languages. And some ancient yeah, ones. Yeah, probably. Velma seems like a polyglot. Mm-hmm. Um, they wonder where Shaggy is. Shaggy and Scooby. Yeah, and they, they are now or late. Yeah, they're like, huh, wonder where they are. I bet they're thinking with their stomach. Uh, Yeah, turns out they're like really off course. Yeah, they're on an all-you-can-eat airline (laughs) on their way to Paris. Paris! But actually, Mount Everest. Because of Alphonse Le Fleur. (laughs) He was here, and is here to hunt the abominable snowman. Uh, Much to the worry of the uh, airplane pilot. Who's basically just a slightly pitched up Johnny Bravo. Yeah, 
yeah, it's great. Um. Uh, so <laughs> let's talk about yes. Alphonse Lefleur. Sorry, Alphonse Lefleur. What is this deal? How does he know? How does he know that he needs Shaggy and Scooby specifically in order to hunt a monster? Yeah, so the thing here is, for the listeners at home who may not have seen this movie, he is tricking Shaggy and Scooby by pretending to be a tour guide for a trip to Paris, and and instead taking them to Mount Everest to hunt the Yeti because they're great at being monster bait. How does he know? How does he know? Well, as we know from Scooby 2002... They are actually, like, you know, some tier of celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> I just... That's still just, like, such a wild plan because it never really comes up. It, we get no explanation on anything except, oh, they're for bait. That's it. That's all we get. We don't get anything. Yeah. Why are He's they got, bait? like... He's very clearly have some sort of strange ulterior motive, and it never comes up. Yeah. It, like, it says, like, yeah, I'm here to hunt the monster. But, you know. And he never, it, it never, like, comes up that he basically kidnapped them and put them in actual mortal danger. Or anything. I mean, they're upset with him about it. They are. But at the same time, it, like, there's no repercussions <laughs> to his actions. No, he just kidnapped them. Oh, God. Um, so he tricks them into going into the back of the plane for, was it a buffet? A VIP service or something. Yeah. Uh, he puts them in a box and he proceeds to uh, push them out of the plane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and airdrops them, basically. <laughs> yes. They do have a uh, parachute, but still... What the heck, man? Speaking of the parachute, it immediately gets caught on a rock on the side of the mountain. Yes. Uh, as Fred calls them. Yes. And they're just like, hey, uh, help. Yep. And then the call drops because there's no service. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, he can track their phone's last known location using the GPS on his phone. Uh, which- Yeah. They're it's something the you can do these days. Yeah, it is find my friends, basically. Yeah. Uh, we also, after he pinpoints their location and said it, saying "voila," like "voila," he says "viola." <laughs> I'll be honest, <laughs> which is incredible. <laughs> I'll be honest, as a person who reads primarily, uh, that would have been my pronunciation of it. Oops. Wow. Oh. I mean, that's a completely reasonable take, especially if you're just reading it. And part of me thinks like, oh, that's just Frank Welker <laughs> reading a word instead of like thinking of like of it as a, a thing that's being said. I kind of, you know, I don't know. I think he did it on purpose. That'd be really funny. He could have done it. <laughs> I would also make sense doing it on purpose because of, uh, you know, the whole basically anytime Fred ever has to speak a foreign language. Yes. God, I love I love Fred. Um, uh, speaking of, I love Fred. I love this. I I I am in love with this moment. Uh, so they didn't. They need to go rescue them. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the van. Yep. <laughs> they go into the van, 
and the next time we see them, which we haven't got to yet, but oh my god, they are driving to the Himalayas. Yeah, they are. When we see them next, they will be in Mongolia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, which is actually a little bit more north than the Himalayas. Well, they're yelling at him for like having made a wrong turn. Because like, hey, why are we in Mongolia? Uh, but also, the fact that the mystery machine is at Paris means they had to have taken the mystery machine there. Also, they would have had to take a ferry or having it like airshipped in. I love it. We get no explanation. It's great. Uh, it's so. They good. get to the Himalayas in like a day. They do complain about it taking a while. Yeah. It's a day. Uh, so meanwhile, back in the Himalayas, Shaggy and Scooby like the box breaks free and becomes a fake sled, and they sled down the mountain uh, and crash into a city in the mountains where we had seen Professor Jeffries apologizing to Pemba. He's like, "Look, I got a little too crazy about it, but like, come on, we are so close, right?" And Pemba's just like, "No, dude, a monster." Yeah, everybody's like, leaving. Yeah. But, you know, that's just a sign we're on the right track. Yep. Uh, and everyone's leaving, except we see Minga show up, who is Pemba's sister, who is jamming while bringing them some tea. Yeah. She absolutely does not believe in the Yeti. Nope. Not at all. Uh, and we find out she does not believe in the Yeti because when she was a kid, uh, her brother would try to scare her with stories about the Yeti coming after her. Which so you know yep. that's fair siblings. Uh, so this is when Shaggy and Scooby come crashing in, followed by all of the supplies. We meet the High Lama, who is peeved about the intrusion to the monastery, and then disappears into the shadows. Oh my god, I love this moment because this monk just kind of floats into the shadows. Like there's no walking animation at all. Yeah, he's very sinister for no reason right now. I love it! Because the next time we see him after this, he's chill. He's so chill! I just... I didn't mention this because I forgot, but there's something about this animation style that is really dynamic. Like, I don't remember any of the other movies being this way. Maybe Pirates Ahoy was similar. But it also is a year later, so maybe they just spent more time on it. Yeah, maybe. I'm really curious what the uh, next movie is like. Uh, so we will find out when we go to see the Samurai Sword, which does not bode well. Yeah, well, technically speaking, it was uh, Scooby-Doo and the Goblin King. Oh, yeah. Huh. That one was very good. Yeah. And you know what? I remember that. I remember thinking about... The animation style for Goblin King, too. Huh. But anyway. Um, so he brings them tea. It's yak butter tea. And they can really taste the yak. They are not fans. Uh, there's no phone. Scooby rings a gong for no reason and accidentally ends up in a spooky monster statue room where they lead sacrifices to the Yeti. Uh, there's a very cool crystal there. And the High Lama is mad that the professor wants to take a look at it. Mm-hmm. And then we get a return of Alphonse Lefleur. He's back and he's continuing the grift. That is absolutely baffling. I just, he just needs them to be bait. That's what it is. 
He needs them to cooperate. <laughs> I just... He is... I know why and how they fell for it. I just... I want to see it also. Yeah, I'm just so curious about this whole... Se- what is this guy's deal? Who is Tell he? Tell me... A- I need to know more about Alphonse Lefleur. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so Mingus suggests that Shaggy and Scooby try to call the gang from the radio tower and offers to take them up there. And Pemba's like, no, you're not going to go up there. I'll go up there. And then they all go up there. Mm-hmm. Well, except for the high llama. Minga has to stay behind. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize that it happened here. And when we see them again next, it is resolved immediately. Yeah. Um, this is the point where we find out that Fred and the gang are in Mongolia, driving the mystery machine. Um, we get a really adorable scene with them, uh, doing a little bit of exposition on the abominable snowman. The abdominal snowman. The adorable snowman. snowman. The abdominable, it's so cute. They, they have a moment. Where they where Fred stumbles on the word, I think uh, Velma, uh, Daphne stumbled on the word, and then of course Velma stumbles on the word because she's been listening to them stumbling. It's adorable. Yeah, it's very good. Um, uh, so we cut back to them carrying sleds up the mountain. Mm-hmm. Alphonse Lefleur has a crate full of Scooby snacks. <laughs> <laughs> to the delight yeah. of Scooby and Shaggy, who are immediately in it. Um, they're very curious about what the professor has for snacks, uh, and only to rip off the the tarp on his sled. And, huh, interesting. Guy's got TNT? It's full of explosives, and they don't recognize it as explosives, even though the, like, the box says explosives on it. Yeah. We see, like, a small hint of the snowman lurking nearby. Uh, the air is getting thin, and then Mingo follows up. It's like, hey, I'm here now. I'm here to warn you about the snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where we learn that she's actually crushing on the radio DJ Weatherman. There's, okay, I gotta say, uh, Pemba is like, why are you so insistent? Um, oh, you have a crush on the weatherman. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such a sibling moment. It really is. It, it's very good. It's super good. Whoever wrote this knows. And it's just, it's, oh, it's good. Um, <sighs> the snowstorm is coming in. Mm-hmm. And they have to make camp out of the way. Yes, immediately. Uh, we see Scooby wearing pot armor so he can take first watch, mm-hmm. but before this, the professor has snuck out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we hear a big growl. Well, much to and we the see, distress yeah. of Scooby and Shaggy. Yes, and we see Alphonse Lefleur with a very big gun. <laughs> uh, Alphonse Lefleur reveals that there are laser traps set and that he <laughs> has them here. He's, this is where he's like, yeah, no, I brought you here to be monster bait. Uh, they, they're so annoyed by this. And sure enough, there's the monster. Yep. Here to take the bait. Yep. And then we get a chase sequence, which is, uh, got a really nice soundtrack. This chase sequence is like almost entirely bits. Mm-hmm. Um, because it starts with them just like triggering all of the traps that which end up hitting 
Alphonse, Alphonse Le Fleur, because, you know, everyone else dodges them. Uh, and then they do, like, you know, they do other bits, like being a. Um, then they do the Mater D bit later, but, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> when they do the Mater D bit, it's like, here's a menu, and the menu just says ice. Yes, it's great. Uh, it's very funny. Uh, Pemba gets caught in a trap, like a cage trap. Mm-hmm. He is Shaggy only in his pajamas, by the way. Yeah. It's strange how, like, it only affects them sometimes. Because Shaggy and Scooby spend part of the time just not in their gear at all. Yeah, but it's during bits, really. It's like Well, they... uh, basically the entire nighttime scene, they're in their regular clothes. That's true. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby get caught in a small landslide, but then are found by, hey, it's Del Chillman. <laughs> oh, yo! Who recognize them. What? Del? Okay, so I, I remembered that we had talked about this guy and how he would yeah. show back up. Uh, but when I watched this, I was like, yo, it's that guy. I would completely forgotten. It's been like a year. It has been most of a year. Yeah. Um... So he brings them uh, back to the radio tower weather station. Yeah, um, I want. I just want to take a moment and say that I think Del Shulman might rule. Yeah, I think Del Shulman's a very cool dude. Yeah, like he talks about how oh Nessie never showed up uh, back at the Loch Ness monster thing, which I cannot remember any details about that. Um, she like technically shows up at the end, but he doesn't see it. Yeah, and he was there for like the unmasking of all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so he figured he would just you know come to the Himalayas, get a job, maybe find uh the ab- abominable snowman. Yeah, he's gonna like leave soon. I think you know he hints at it, but he's also like, you know, I get bored up here, so I pretend to be a radio DJ and play music. Yeah. And, you know, I thought I was to know him, but then someone left me a fan letter in this cool hat. Yeah. It's really cute. He's, like, really excited that he he gets to share his music and you bring joy. It's awesome. He's got, like, a wild collection, too, because, like, he starts by playing, like, some classic surf rock. He's got, like, but, well, yeah. When he when he comes back, like, when it comes back to here later... Shaggy and Scooby are playing what the captions called Asian pop. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got uh, like it was like jazz, rock, classical. He's got like a ton of stuff. Yeah, um, and he's like, "Hey, Shaggy and Scooby, why don't you be guest DJs while I go look for the others?" Yeah, the the satellite's out, so you can't make a phone call though. Mm-hmm. Because of the storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, the rest of the gang has made it to the village, finally. <laughs> and they find some Shaggy and Scooby prints and follow them up the mountain. Uh, we get Casey Kasem doing his real-life radio voice. Because <laughs> he was, in fact, a radio... Actually, I think he still is a radio personality, unless he's passed away. I on. need to reevaluate the status of Casey Kasem. No, yes, he did pass away in 2014. Aww. Um, but yeah, I, there was a lot, I remember hearing his voice a lot actually on Sirius Radio. Oh. Um, like on like the older channels, 
he would just pop in every now and then where they would use like old audio from it because mm-hmm. you know a lot of the old like mtv vjs and stuff are on there now mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. Uh, as well as downtown julie brown and people like that um anyway we get a moment that's uh the point. with the yeti who is overseeing the weather weather station being growly um and then we cut back to the gang, the rest of the gang. Mm-hmm. Who find snowman tracks. Mm-hmm. And Velma's like, hey, wait a minute. These tracks are about only half as deep as Va- Daphne's. Mm-hmm. Which theoretically could be due to larger surface area across the snow, but let's just assume it's about weight because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. It's like snowshoes don't go as deep because they're wider for the weight. It's like a whole thing. Yeah, but I would say the same logic could also be applied where uh, because a the abdominal snowman should be like should weigh a lot more than Daphne would. So I mean, it could just have big feet. That too. Yeah. Uh, evolution, adaptability. You know what to say about big feet? <laughs> big footprints. <laughs> So they also find trapped Pemba yeah. and the tracks that the professor left, but no sign of Minga. But they do find her radio and just immediately assume the snowman got her. Yep. Um, and then they hear Shaggy and Scooby on the radio just as a monster attacks the station. <laughs> yes. And we get an almost entirely gag montage. Yep. Uh, Pemba leaves the gang Well, was going to leave the gang to find Minga But Daphne's like, hey, I'll go with him And Fred's like, oh, okay <laughs> uh, And then Velma and Fred head up to the radio station mm-hmm. Alphonse Le Fleur shows up again And almost saves Shaggy and Scooby Who are being still chased by the monster But then gets launched off the mountain <laughs> uh, He almost saves himself by sticking a pick Oh, but unfortunately, the pick then... The pick breaks a bit of the cliff he's on. Yeah, and he falls. And presumably dies. Yes. Uh, Uh, We'll check back in on him later. Shaggy and Scooby end up on a weather balloon riding off into the sky. Mm -hmm. And Del finds Fred and Velma. Because they're investigating. Then they head in to investigate the wreck of the radio station. Yep. They find that some helium tanks are missing. Mm. As well as there's the seismograph there is showing some unexpected activity. Uh, Daphne and Pemba are searching some caverns and find empty helium tanks. Like immediately afterwards. Yeah, there is no effort to hide them. Oh, they're like under some snow, but they are very clearly just like strewn about. Yeah. Uh, we cut to uh. Scooby and Shaggy who are still flying away. And then they are no longer flying away. They are falling and falling and falling. And then land in a pile of snow and they're fine. Yeah, at the bottom of a ravine in an area with some statues. Yep. Um, And hey, look, it's the High Llama again. Yep. Pretty chill. What are you doing in the spirit graveyard? (laughs) And it turns out, hey, you're in Shangri-La now. Yep. It's very green and full of groovy vibes. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and apparently those that stay in Shangri-La are young for as long as they're there. Fred, Velma, and Del will find the ravine that the seismic activity is from and rappel down. We'll see them again in a bit. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby try to find where to brush their teeth because <laughs> they're spending the night in Shangri-La. Yep. And they find some spooky paintings and they start roasting them. Yeah, like, they are unforgiving. Um, and then naturally they run into uh, the Abominable Snowman. Who's standing right where another painting would be and not moving at all. Yep. So Shaggy just continues roasting until it suddenly gets really mad. Yep. Oh, God, I love that. Uh, there's a little bit more chasing. So, I will say right at this point, I was like, you know, if that thing doesn't move at all, that would be an interesting hint to who the Yeti really is. Yeah. But I, that is an incorrect guess on my part. Yeah. Uh, so they end up in a minecart and then in a tunnel and they they in a cavern underneath and then Fred, Velma, and Dell just walk down a passenger like, oh hey Shaggy and Scooby, what's up? Yeah, we're here now. Um, and then so do Daphne and Pemba. Yeah, actually, I think this is the first point at point where Scooby and Shaggy actually knew that the rest of the gang was here, like they had yeah. not known at all. They thought they were all by themselves except for Dell. So I can understand sure why uh, yeah. Scooby proceeded to jump into Fred's arms and Shaggy proceeded to jump into Velma's arms. Yes. Um, they get a little bit more earthquaking and Daphne uh, and Pemba show up. And they all run down another path to try to get away from the cave-in. And they see the professor placing some explosives. Yep. He's essentially mining chunks of crystals. And the gang decides to just like, let's go trap him in a net. And then they trap him in a net. Mm -hmm. And accuse him of being the monster. And then the monster shows up and is like, no, it is me, the monster. <laughs> and then they play Donkey Kong Country. Yep. I love those minecart levels. <laughs> uh, the professor ends up again with the crystal... Uh, on a different cart, Fred, Velma, Daphne, Dell, and Pemba got split off and end up in the abandoned village again while Shaggy and Scooby are still in the mountain and are chasing after the professor as he runs into the Yeti and falls out the mountain. Shaggy and Scooby accidentally explode a bunch of dynamite inside a cavern in order to, in an attempt to light up the darkness. Yeah. Hey, light that candle. Oh, that's not a candle at all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and explodes them out of the mountain. But causes an but, avalanche. Yeah. So Scooby turns some sled scraps into snowboards and they do the ice cap level of Sonic Adventure. <laughs> and they go flying past the monster and the professor. And Fred is like, okay, so we're going to build this ramp. And they're going to ramp over the wall and into a net. Yep. And then Shaggy and Scooby get there first. Yep. <laughs> Um, uh, and they land in the net but get out safely. And meanwhile, Professor Jeffries ends up getting caught, um, but drops the monster off the back of the sled first. Uh, before he's just completely tied up. In the net. The avalanche, yeah. And the avalanche is still coming, but Del, Del and Velma are still in the 
snowplow and in the way. And they're not going to get out of the way in time until the monster jumps on top of the snowplow and grabs them both and inflates himself just like a balloon. Yep. (laughs) Sorry, let me take that again. Inflates himself just like a balloon. (laughs) Uh, And... Velma is like, ah, yes, I know exactly what's happened, and pulls the mask off. And completely deflates them while they're still in the yeah, air. Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, Velma, wait until they're you've landed. Um, but it's they reveal that it's actually Minga. Um, yes. yeah, she's wearing an exoskeleton. Yes, the helium was there. It was to make it easier for her to climb and jump around. And she was doing it because she's Dell's number one fan. And she doesn't want him to and leave. Yeah, she had to become the Yeti to convince Dell to stick around. Yeah. She was just trying to be spooky, not hurt anyone. And then suddenly we have the return of Alphonse Lefleur. He was like, actually, no, the monster is real and saved my life. Yes. It's uh... a... <laughs> but... And nothing that he says would be like, no, yeah, that was the monster that saved you and not just Minga making sure she didn't kill someone. (laughs) Which, okay, here's the thing. Minga almost killed her own brother. Yeah. Oh. Did she? He almost fell off the cliff. Oh. Hmm. I was rewatching the beginning and I was like, oh my gosh, he almost died. Yeah, oh, I mean, she wasn't, like, specifically doing anything. She just showed up and was like, ah, and yeah. he ran. Um, I'm sure that if he had actually, like, fallen off the cliff, she would have saved him. Probably. Yeah. By inflating herself just like a balloon. Yeah. Um, um, I want to I put on record that Del and Minga are, like, super cute. Yes, they are swooning over each they other. They are! It's adorable! And Daphne's just like, all right, I got a plan. And then they all go to Paris. Yep. <laughs> uh, except that they're at the cafe again. But Fred's like an hour late. <laughs> and they get a phone call. And it's Fred. He's in the Amazon jungle. Yeah. Yep. I just. So they all jump into the mystery machine and Scooby drives off. Scooby drives off. Scooby's the one driving. I actually like adored this movie it was very good it was super good we blasted through it because we kind of spent a lot of time at the front yeah but at the same time it was a very good movie yes like if you feel like we skimped just go watch it i would recommend i it. honestly would too um i would this is so we talk about sometimes how sometimes the movies that aren't good feel like they were just one of the regular episodes but longer mm-hmm. And this is a case of one of the regular episodes, but longer, being Good. done well. Yeah. Yeah. This is, like, specifically down to the T. Like, oh, this is a Scooby-Doo plot. Yeah. But we performed it well and adjusted for the length. Yeah. It's, I think what really made it, for me, was they didn't linger on stuff that didn't matter. Like, yeah, how did- there was a lot- You go ahead. No, I was going to say, there were a lot of scenes that just ended after saying, like, okay, here's the thing that the scene is for. Bye. Yeah. How did uh, the gang go from Paris to the Himalayas so quickly? Don't matter. They needed to be there. It's fine. 
Uh, why the heck is this French hunter using Scooby and Shaggy as bait? Don't matter. It's fine. We're just going to move on. It's like the comedic beats were perfect. I have to know. Did you specifically say French hunter so you didn't have to try to say Alphonse Lefleur? Alphonse Lefleur. Yes. Because that's how I have it in my notes. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like... It's super ridiculous, but my god, was it great. It's so good. So so speaking of how good it is, how do you think this movie compares to Scooby-Doo 2002? I think it's better. I agree. So now I have to figure out... Okay, hold on. One, two, three... How How does this movie compare to Sonic the Hedgehog 2020? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! Shoot! Um, I think... I think it might be better. It's a better, uh, Scooby-Doo mystery. It is a better Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I do, like, I think I would watch this and enjoy it just as much. Yeah. Like, I, I think I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Alright, um... How does this movie compare to Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase? Hmm... I want to say it's better. Okay. All right. Now, th- now we're in the end game of this. How does this compare to the Goblin? Not game? as better. No, it's definitely not better. How about Where's My Mummy? Hmm. I think it's better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was about to move it back up because I wasn't sure either way, but like it definitely could. I think there are arguments for either one. Yeah, um, I think because where's my mommy has like a fun like adventure mm-hmm. twist to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's more solid of a movie. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. It's like where's my mommy had a couple moments where it's like, uh, why? Yeah. Like, what was the deal with that entire other civilization? Yeah. Granted, uh. We don't get any explanation on the lost city of Shangri-La, but you know what? Well, it doesn't. It's not destroyed. It doesn't matter. Let's move on. It. They don't linger yeah. on it. Well, it's like it's clear the High Lama was like, "Hey, no, don't, don't be a narc. Come on now." Yeah, basically. Um, I think it's much more solid. Yeah. So we're like on a run of good movies we are um especially in that time period because yeah. like where's my mommy this one goblin king all one after the other yeah P- where did we put pirates ahoy well, pirates ahoy was a bit further down but yeah but it's in the middle which considering well it's in the upper half even. yeah so wow these have been some really solid movies yeah um we're gonna enjoy some more good movies next month yep with uh Gooby Doo 2 of the Monsters Unleashed. Yes. One of my personal favorites. <laughs> I am now deeply curious about Samurai Sword. I hope it's as good. Considering Yeah, I just I'm I'm worried yeah, about it. I am too. Because it's you're getting back into that like um you know focusing on a specific thing. Yeah, like you're in that Aloha Scooby Doo territory yeah, I, is what I'm like I don't think it's going to be as bad as monster of mexico i can only hope yes 
Uh, I really deeply hope. It is something where you do have to think about how the cover for Scooby-Doo and the Samurai Sword shows uh, Shaggy and Scooby and Karate Geese doing Kung Fu kicks. Uh. Um, hmm. But, you know, part of that could just be like, you know, marketing, you know? Yeah. Like, who knows? Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Uh, so the list as it stands is Monster of Mexico, Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf, Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers, Scooby Goes Hollywood, Scooby-Doo and Arabian Nights, Alien Invaders, Loch Ness Monster, Legend of the Vampire, Aloha Scooby-Doo, WrestleMania, Mystery, Zombie Island, Music of the Vampire, Scooby-Doo 2002, Mask of the Blue Falcon, Pirates Ahoy, Moon Monster Madness, School School, Sonic the Hedgehog 2020, Scooby-Doo The Mystery Begins, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Cyber Chase, Where's My Mummy, Chill Out, Scooby-Doo, Goblin King, and The Witch's Ghost. Woo! Goodness, what a list. It's an exciting, powerful list. It's a list of more than half of all of the currently released Scooby-Doo films. We've been at this for two years! Two years? We're gonna have a full-on retrospective next month. Goodness! You know what? Yeah, so go ahead and start sending in now. Uh, any anniversary questions you want to send us, or some of your favorite bits, who knows, maybe I'll, like, cut in clips if I have enough of them to do, because, like, you know, helicopter sale, helicopter shopping is fun. <laughs> um, there are some bits from this one that I think would make it, for sure. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, stuff like, I, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, because we made it two years, and, like, Looking at the list of what we have left, it only I feel like it only goes up from here. Mm-hmm. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Like we have Scooby Doo and Batman on this list still. Yeah. We have Lego Scooby Doo movies. Like that's gonna be wild. What year did we start? Was it twenty eighteen? Um, it would have been twenty eighteen. It would have been April twenty eighteen is like approximately when we started gotcha it's just wild to think about how by the mm, i don't i don't know when uh the newest scooby-doo was gonna come out but six movies since yeah, we started so the newest one. Oh yeah i, I should have mentioned that during the news is that we technically have a potential title for the next scooby-doo directed dvd movie um, that should be coming out later, like at the back half of this year. Um, the the title that is, you know, based on people accidentally leaking stuff when they said they were done recording stuff type things. Uh, Scooby-Doo and King Arthur's Court. That seems like it'd be real interesting if it's true. Yeah, I hope so. That could be fun, especially if they time travel. What if they time travel? <gasps> Heck yeah! I love time travel. I love... I say I love time travel. I like getting angry about time travel because most places don't do it by their own rules. <laughs> yeah, our first actual episode was released on April 13th, 2018. Yep. So, as of now, there have been four additional Scooby-Doo movies since we began. That's strange. Yep. I mean... I mean, two movies a a year isn't bad. Yeah. Two episodes a year when we finally uh catch up. 
gosh, don't. I need. <laughs> there's so much planning and deciding and math yep. that we have to do. <laughs> And figuring out, well, what if we change it to this format, the, the episodes would be shorter. So would we do this instead? Mm-hmm. And it's we've got all these other things on this list that are marked in red that we don't know what to do with. Because mm-hmm. they're basically, most of them are just episode length things. Mm-hmm. Which would maybe make them good bonus stuff. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? Speaking of bonus stuff. Yes. If you want to go to patreon.com slash kids and their dog. You too can become a patron and give us money. Um, and that's the real thing you're doing. That's the benefit is giving us money. But there are other benefits as well. Um, such as, I'm going to start from the top and work my way down so I can get it to load the people to shout out before we get to that. <laughs> um, so at $35 a month, if you gave us that much money, you would get a CD copy of episodes. Maybe that's not good math for on my part, because it might actually cost me more to make that and ship it than I, we're getting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the novelty of it. It is. Uh, at $5 or more a month, you get bonus episodes, <laughs> or at least access to them, such as the newest bonus episode that went out earlier this month of the Kids and Their Dog Book Club, where we read... We dramatically read fan fiction and discuss it, mm-hmm. like a book club. Mm-hmm. With uh, questions pulled from uh, book club questions lists. Yeah. Questions to ask at book club. Yeah. Alright, and at $1 or more a month, you get the episodes early, as well as a shout-out on the show, like our curtain patrons, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. James. Thank you, James. Thank you, James. Tanner. Thanks, Tanner. Thank you, Tanner. And Tess. Thank you, Tess. Thank you, Tess. If we reach $50 or more a month, we will start doing other episodes, such as episodes on the shows. Probably starting with the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, but, you know, I'm actually thinking about reworking that tier mm-hmm. as part of what we would do in the future. we got to have a discussion about mm-hmm. that. Um, and then at $100 or more a month, we'll do Kids and Their Dice, a monthly actual play live. Actually, I might reword that. I don't know if it would be monthly. I think it might be one of those things where we work on it, and then once it's all done, I post it in batches. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Who knows? That's the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Kids and Their Dog. Uh, so you can follow the show on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog, where we tweet about when we need questions or when bonus stuff goes up or sometimes just pictures of fred making faces (laughs) i expect to see more okay actually Mm -hmm. real talk what has been going on with our twitter account weird mess like i don't know what these letters are or these numbers you know what i know i I, mm, i was wondering about that i thought you were doing something but then i saw your reply to uh someone asking and i'm like wait are you not doing anything i'm not doing anything why what is happening i really hope we haven't gotten hacked god i mean look so i haven't said no it's not even just on the twitter like on our website there's something on there too now oh god and i don't i don't know what to do I'll figure it out, I guess. Hopefully before next month. 
Um, anyways, you can uh, lava plug your stuff. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at lavabees. L a v a b e e s. You can find me on Twitter at madlobotanist. That's m a d l o b o t a n i s t. Um, where I post about other stuff. Right now, it's mostly been March Masksness, which is wrapping up, if not all the way over now. Um, it was a fun time. I recommend going back and looking at all of the fan work and some of the podcasts that were involved. They're all very cool people. This is being recorded before it's over, so I don't, I don't know if Darren's still in it to win it, but please, Darren, you can do it. I believe in you. Um, you can also find another podcast I do at Precure Podcast Engage, which, uh, is a Pretty Cure. It's basically this, but with episodes of Pretty Cure and a lot less tangents about alligator ice and a lot more tangents about what if characters were different. I do that with Charlie. You can find that at Prepod Engage on Twitter. Um, also, I've mentioned it before and I'll keep mentioning it until it's over. Um, I guessed on a future episode of Apex City as part of the Hindsight event. Go check out Apex City at Apex City Cast. It's a Masks actual play. It's very cool, very chill, very fun. I think that is it for plugs. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. Um, Alligator Ice, send us free samples. <laughs> Uh, anyways, until next month when we become two years old and talk about Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. But until then, they would have gotten away with it too. If it weren't for us meddling kids. Oh, oh? <laughs> See, now, now I'm thinking of a very strange joke oh. that only I am laughing at here because... So there was this wrestler um, <laughs> who's... What, part of his gimmick is that at the beginning of his intro, it would go, Woo, woo, woo. Oh my god. And now I'm just imagining going, Ooh, woo, woo. <laughs> Ooh, woo. Let's see if I can find the clip. <laughs> I think his name was Zack Ryder. That sounds like a wrestler, right? It does sound like a wrestler. Yeah, Zack Ryder, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> he looks like a fake man. <laughs> it's like someone saw a picture of, like, um, not Ryan Reynolds. He was... In the A-Team movie. Oh, I would not be able to help with this. He's also in other movies. That's the only movie I can think that he was in right now, though, is the thing. <laughs> I'm so mad. I need to go get Chapstick. Oh, no. I'm so worried about Discord just randomly dying again. Do it, and I'll like, text you if it does. Okay. Give me one second. Okay, it didn't die. Although I had to go get my backup chapstick. What the heck? Where'd it go from my purse? I don't know. Oh no.
I'll find I it figured eventually. out who he looks like. He looks like a fake Bradley Cooper. Someone oh. saw a picture of Bradley Cooper and like <laughs> closed their eyes and drew it. Oh my god. Oh wow. Woo woo woo. Who wants to be my broski of the week? Oh my god. Is who, mm. Where's this guy from? I'm not sure. Because I want to say this guy's from California. I mean, that's probably part of the character. Yeah. I can Google it. Welcome to Zack Ryder Talk. Um, let's see. Currently, I don't even care where he's actually from. He's from New York. Are you okay? His character is from California. Like he's got like his his real name is Matthew Brett Cardona. Dang. And he's only ten years older than I am. Oh, that's wild. He's built from Long Island. And was trained by someone named Mikey Whipwreck, which is incredible. Holy <laughs> Wow. Also, with that uh, title, I thought it was going to be a compilation of, like, all the woo-woos. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't happen once. It happened once, towards the end, and that was it. Mm. Oh, he has a discography. Oh, God. It's a single song. It's called Hoski, (laughs) and I have no idea what it is. This Wikipedia picture of him looks like an action figure. That's hysterical. Oh my god, he does look like an action figure. (laughs) Maybe I'll leave this in. Maybe I'll just put this all at the end of the episode. We don't normally do that, and we may never do it again, but I might do it this once. (laughs) When you're on this ride, kick back and enjoy the view. Behind and then in front of you Just ride the tie, nice open wide The nightmare